Hi again, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Rajkowski, your host today for the Future Foodcast, where we talk with the thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technologies that will shape the future of food. Very happy to be speaking with Cinnamon Savoy today, the founder of Coco Lemon Craft Beverage Company. Welcome to the program today, Cinnamon. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, it wouldn't be the first time someone called me Coco. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, I, I always have to get these things started uh, on a bit of a stumble here, but uh, really happy to have you on the program. Uh, we're looking forward to learning a lot about Coco Lemon. But before we do that, let's learn a little bit more about you and kind of what were you doing before you started this company and kind of what brought you to the decision point of let's make a go of this new venture in the food space. Sure. Well, I have been in, my background is primarily in sales. I spent uh, the past almost 20 years in a sales or sales support type of role. The last 10 years, I was working in the software industry. As I entered my 40s, I realized I needed to upgrade my education. You know, I was slowly aging out of the industry I was working in. And I needed something to kind of give me a little, an advantage, I guess you could say. I live in New Brunswick. I'm based out of St. John, New Brunswick. And a lot of the software companies, of course, are based in more urban areas, or at least they were pre-COVID. After several years in the software industry, I actually did end up losing my job. And, uh, but Meanwhile, I had um, been making my lemonade just as a part-time gig. I wanted something to kind of fall back on in case my career in the software industry didn't pan out long-term. And uh, lemonade for me was was kind of a natural thing. I had been making lemonade for, for many years. Um, I realized, having worked in the software industry, that I really didn't see myself in that industry long-term. So I spent some time trying to kind of think about, you know, what what would what do I enjoy doing and what can I see myself doing long-term? And I knew it was something to do with the food and beverage industry. I kind of stumbled upon lemonade because like I said, I'd been making it for a while. I was online one day and I came across a recipe for a jalapeno lemonade. And I thought, well, that's different, you know, and it really struck my curiosity. So, you know, I started Googling different recipes and then that's kind of how I started selling it in our local markets here in, in New Brunswick and in, in St. John, New Brunswick. So I started off in a small little market. Um, it was in the, it was a winter market. So I kind of thought, well, you know, this would be a good opportunity for me to test um, my idea instead of, you know, in the middle of summer at some sort of festival with thousands of people. Um, I wanted to make sure, you know, that I was um, spending some time to really kind of gather a lot of the marketing insight and, and see if consumers really wanted it. So I started selling it in the wintertime. It turned out to be, uh, you know, more of a, a bigger success than I had really thought about um, or anticipated. Some of my regular customers were asking me, you know, where can I buy this after the, um, the market ended? So it kind of grew from there. I, like I said earlier, I ended up um, losing my job in the software industry. And I was unsure what my next steps were. So I reached out to an old colleague of mine who worked at um, our local economic development agency in the city. And he put me in touch with a program that had started called the Venture Validation Program. And what that program allows entrepreneurs to do is to 
you know, enter the program with an idea, work through the process of understanding, is it an actual, is it a business idea or is it just like more of a hobby type of idea? You know, we were matched with mentors. We went through financial projections, building business plans, marketing plans, et cetera. So it kind of, that's where it started. It wasn't um, something that I thought about, you know, years ago, I just kind of stumbled into it. Yeah. Yeah, So that's kind of the, you know, how it started. And from there, I mean, I officially launched it last January in the, again, in the middle of winter, um, in the midst of COVID, which is probably (laughs) not the, uh, the, the, a little bit of an unusual time to start a business such as lemonade, but at the same time, it turned out to be a really great time because in our community, there's been a huge push to buy locally sourced products, mm. huge um, push towards supporting local businesses. So I was really fortunate that a lot of the, the smaller you know, markets, retailers were really open to accepting and, and giving our product uh, an, a shot, you know, so right. we spent some time promoting it on social media and, you know, word of mouth, it, it kind of grew. And now we're into almost a hundred stores um, throughout New Brunswick and we're just starting to uh, enter into Nova Scotia. And uh, so, you know, it's been, it's been a great learning experience and, you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun too along the way. It's a, it's a great background, of course, and and inspiring. And um, it's been interesting to see on this program, the Future Foodcast, that there are quite a number of people like yourself that have successful first, second, or third careers. Mm -hmm. And at some point, for a whole range of reasons, of course, they say, I'm going to go do what my passion is. I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, by the way, that means I'm going to start a business <clears throat> in the mm-hmm. food sector and mm-hmm. something that they've been doing as you were, maybe almost as a hobby, but a mm-hmm. personal interest for some time. And it's, it's really been a great, it seems like a great opportunity over the last few years with this shift in how the world is acting, you know, COVID and all these other things, pushing people more to e-commerce, less interaction in restaurants, that type of thing, um, at least for a while. But it's created this whole crop of new entrepreneurs with great products that all of a sudden they're in hundreds of stores. And of course, that's not everyone. It takes a special entrepreneur to get there. But really, I I think inspirational for our viewers to see that what you've done, and we're going to learn more about it in this podcast, and bringing an idea from a hobby into a full business and growing beyond there hopefully toward national distribution even. Yeah. Um, so, and just so people understand, not everybody might know where New Brunswick is. We do get uh, viewership uh, a little bit globally and across North America significantly. You're pretty far east and a little bit isolated out there. Mm-hmm. You're selling uh, a product that's based on lemons. Um, mm-hmm. So you definitely have some <laughs> supply chain to manage. But as I, I want to hear more about your product, because you also mentioned a hot topic, which is local sourcing. Mm-hmm. Consumers are very, very interested in that these days. So you have an interesting product that's a blend of essentially an international supply chain for mm-hmm. the base, but mm-hmm. also using a lot of local ingredients to make a very, very special product. So yeah. maybe tell us a bit more about your products and what it's made up of and how you blend that international and local supply. Yeah, absolutely. I guess if we kind of took a step back and, and, you know, look at, you know, why lemonade um, on, you know, in the East coast of Canada and a province that very few people have actually heard of or can point out in a map, um, you know, having 
worked in the software industry, um, worked with a lot of people in the technology industry, um, the natural kind of progression for a lot of people that really want to become an entrepreneur is really, you know, let's develop an app. What kind of app? How can I make the world a better place using the knowledge I already have? For me, I wanted something completely out of the app area, out of the software industry. And, you know, I did spend a lot of time trying to think about, well, what, what can I do? What do I feel passionate about? And I found I was overthinking it. So I, I thought to myself, okay, you know, what would nine-year-old Cinnamon want to do, you know, if she could do anything. And, you know, the first thing was lemonade because I sold lemonade as a kid. You know, I had a little lemonade stand on the side of the road. You know, it kind of, it, there were all a, a number of different things that kind of came together to start to develop it, including, you know, having a really strong community that that supports an entrepreneurship. The, the locally sourced component was really important to me as well, because like I said, I lost my job in the software industry and, you know, I did have opportunities present themselves to me, but it required required me moving outside of the province. And it was really important for me to stay close to um, the province. You know, this is my home. And I, I really wanted to not only, you know, stay here, but I, it was important for me to be able to contribute back to the community mm -hmm. as well and, and come up with a, you know, a way that we can kind of all help each other. So with the lemonade that I, I make, yeah, lemons don't grow natively here in the, in the Maritimes or Canada. However, I do source my lemons using a local supplier and, you know, they are, you know, sourced internationally. So, you know, I am supporting our, our local um, distributors and wholesalers here. And also I add ingredients to my product that are locally sourced here in New Brunswick, like locally grown and, and locally sourced. So yeah, maybe just for our audience, uh, maybe give us a sample of, you know, what are your key products? And that'll probably be a good lead point into, you know, you've had some very interesting locally grown products that are going mm -hmm. into your uh, lemonades. Well, here in New Brunswick, we're known for um, a few locally grown products or, or ingredients. So um, one is our maple syrup. We're the third top producer supplier of maple syrup in the world. So it made sense for me to consider um, adding maple syrup for a classic lemonade, instead of sugar, we source it, we use maple syrup, 100% pure local New Brunswick maple syrup. So it, you know, it sets it up, us apart um, in that we don't use sugar and, you know, we use maple syrup as our sweetener, but also um, it is low sugar product as well. Our sugar content isn't anywhere mm -hmm. above 12 grams per serving. Um, we also have a blueberry lemonade and our blueberry is made with 100% pure um, local blueberry juice. And uh, Nova Scotia is known for their source and supply of blueberries. Um, and then finally, our cranberry would be our third kind of flagship product. Um, and again, you know, New Brunswick, we have a huge mm -hmm. um, cranberry industry here. And uh, so, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, look online and, and find any number of cranberry farms if we, uh, if we require any cranberries. It's a great, um, I, I think, lesson also in utilizing local resources. I think if you originally maybe had wanted to sell a craft lemonade product and gone to a sort of a food science type of group and they say, oh, here's what you can put into it. You know, mm -hmm. they're going to fill it with corn syrup and all these other things that may not be locally sourced, but you've mm -hmm. really done a great job in, you know, leveraging 
the excellent local produce that you have there um, that I think people not only enjoy around you, but it's going to be great when we see your product moving out across North America, because it's just such a focused area of this clean label, locally produced natural products. And you started to talk about also your growing into various stores and distribution. And I, I'm curious, and I think our listeners would be curious, how have you seen that progress progress? What is it, what are the barriers that you've had to get through to go from locally selling at you know, you know almost a, a trade fair, if you will, to mm-hmm. getting into real retailers. That that's a huge barrier to jump through. Yeah, I mean it. It is challenging. You know, one of the biggest challenges I think is actually getting my product to the stores. Living in New Brunswick, some of the larger you know our larger cities, the stores are a lot closer together. Uh, but some communities, it could you know require an hour, an hour and a half drive, you know, just to deliver a product. So you really have to weigh the pros and cons and really understand your distribution network as well and 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 your delivery methods you know if you decide to deliver yourself do you have the bandwidth do you have the capacity do you have you know the employees to drive or are you going to outsource that as well so you know i think the biggest challenge would be the delivery component when it comes to um, identifying the the retailers or targeting the retailers i think you really need to be strategic and understanding you know who are your who's your market and who is likely to to purchase it on behalf of your customers right i mean it, it's a it's a craft lemonade it's locally sourced i mean there's a lot of really great aspects but if the product isn't selling and continuing to sell, then retailers, they're not going to consider stocking it on your shelves, right? So you really have to make sure that there's that relationship that's um, maintained as well. That's That's a really critical piece. Now, it's one thing, certainly getting into the retailers. And um, like you said, you managed a lot of relationships to do that. But uh, another big change, or maybe not a big change, but an accelerated change over the last couple of years is consumers interaction with food products via e-commerce and Mm -hmm. via social media, etc. Just because it's been more difficult for consumers to be in bricks and mortar stores. Of course, Mm -hmm. your product, its main delivery point, if you will, to a consumer is through a bricks and mortar store. But Mm -hmm. what have you seen for your own product that and how you're trying to engage with your consumers through social media? Yeah, you know, it's it, it can be challenging because you certainly don't want to compete with your retailers. So I think it's important to, to be creative and offer alternatives. So for example, you know, we offer um, our retailers, our product is sold as a single ready to drink product, right? Online, you can purchase a package of six or 12 or, or case of 24 products. Um, we also offer a sampler pack with, you know, a, a reusable cooler bag. So we try to be creative in our offering for our online because you're absolutely right. You know, with, with ever since COVID, the, the demand for e-commerce and online purchasing has, has gone through the roof, right? So that is one of our challenge or our channels as well. So we do offer, you know, home delivery. It is, you know, outside of our kind of immediate delivery area, one of the the challenges is the the cost of of shipping as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we can offer a product nationally, you know, anyone across Canada, I suppose internationally as well. However, the cost is is quite significant um, when you're Mm -hmm. shipping smaller quantities to, you know, a residential address. I mean, in some cases, it costs more than the the actual product itself to ship it to um, a residential address, right? So that's, I think that's a challenge across all industries 
news right now. And, uh, you know, there are, there are kind of strategies and, and different plans in place, but um, one of the biggest challenges by far. Sure. Well, it's interesting you brought up this point of um, sort of competing for the customer's eyes and between you wanting the customer's eyes on your product, but then you've got retailers that are your partners and you'd there's a, I guess, a delicate balance between distracting from the consumers, focusing on store X where your product's being sold versus just focusing on your product. How do you, I would say, balance that? And um, is this something you're doing in reaching out to customers sort of with direct media or well, not media, I guess, but you know, advertising on the product itself? Or are you using more of social media as a vector for getting in contact with your customers? Yeah, social media has been a really great medium for us in terms of advertising a promotion. If somebody were to message me and say, you know, um, I would love to buy your product, where can I find it? I always direct them to our website. And on our website, we have the two options, you know, do you want to purchase online or, you know, here's a list of our retailers to find someone near you. So we want to make sure that consumers have a place and an option to purchase. We do, you know, if we know, for example, that they're located in a city and there are three or four stores carrying the product in that city, then our, our first step would be to refer them to our retailers, you know, and then otherwise purchase online. And I mean, it, it benefits the, the person if they go direct to the retailer, because first of all, they're saving in the shipping cost. And, you know, when they're on site at the retailers, there's an opportunity for them to spend on other products as well, right? While they're in the store. So, you know, it works out to be a win-win when we push towards the, uh, you know, the, the consumer purchasing direct at the retailer level. Okay. Now, one thing we've heard from a number of, especially entrepreneurs that are getting started in the past several years is these individuals or groups have a great passion for their food product. They very interested in the quality, how it's presented and how people perceive it. And we're talking about social media and activity there, but you maybe are fortunate in having some background in, in the IT space, but a lot of people don't. And we've heard often that this is a little bit of a challenge for the entrepreneur who really wants to focus on food, but they're being distracted by this marketing that they have to do in the in the social media space. How have you addressed that in terms of your maybe benefits or advantages or your challenges in dealing with the social media as a marketing vector? Yeah. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of pulled into so many different directions every single day, right? Right? And there are a lot of hats that you have to wear that maybe you really didn't think you might have to. For me, outsourcing has been really key um, and really kind of looking internally to understand, okay, where are my strengths? You know, I was in the software industry. In fact, it was a social media industry, but hmm. I wasn't, it was the analytics. So understanding what's working, what's working well, you know, where, where are the, where's the audience and so forth, but it wasn't around content creation. So I still struggle with that component. There are hmm. marketing agencies out there that, you know, that's their area of, of expertise as a small business owner. If you don't have the capital, there are other resources, you know, you can look up a thousand ways or a thousand ideas for a social media post, right? right? I've got all of that information. I still struggle with it, right? So I think the only way to kind of overcome that and be successful is to be disciplined and have a set time and a plan, um, whether it's weekly or monthly, so that there's 
there's no guessing, right? So if you know this week that, you know, Valentine's Day is going to be on the 14th, well, therefore I need to, you know, post about Valentine's Day and here's my theme. And so, I mean, it's really important to kind of take a step back, have time dedicated, whether it's once a week or once a month to really plan out what you're going to do um, in terms of social media or advertising or promotion. I think that's the, that's the only way, because like I said, pulled in so many different directions on a daily basis. Yeah. It's really easy to push it aside and forget about it. You know, I, I'm yeah. guilty of it. And I think a lot of other people are as well. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, it's discipline and, and you obviously have that in growing a successful business, but you know, you're dealing with this, we say social media, but it's really a fractured space with lots of different channels and you have to select what you're going mm -hmm. to work on. But it sounds like it's working out for you and you're, you're obviously getting good traction with customers or you wouldn't be in hundreds of stores. So I think we've talked a lot about, if you will, the downstream side of your business, the how the product goes from you through retailers into customers. You know, let's turn that around and maybe look upstream a little bit. And especially with your local suppliers, and you've mentioned a few different types of products, blueberries, cranberries, <clears throat> maple syrup that you're using. How are you working with those suppliers and making sure that the your consumers know that those local products are going into your end product? Yeah, you know, um, I think... Again, social media is a really great way to communicate to your customers what actually is inside your product. And I think sometimes we take for granted, you know, we know as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, what is in our product. Maybe the consumers that, you know, liked your page a year ago when you posted, remembered it, but what about your new consumers, right? So it's important to, to repeat the message. Not, I mean, I don't mean like weekly, but, you know, just to sure, kind sure. of recognize the fact that not everybody is going to understand or know where you're, you know, what goes in your product, mm -hmm. where it's come from, et cetera. And I'm sure there are other, other businesses as well. You know, it's important to have um, a good supplier network. So with that, you know, like for example, for my maple syrup, I work with several different suppliers because there are issues that come up. Like I just had an issue that I was dealing with the other day where I'm, ex I was expecting, I placed an order for, you know, some product and um, they were, they're pretty much stuck until a sanding truck is able to, you know, get down their road because it's just solid ice and they've been at a standstill for two days now. They're, mm -hmm. you know, we buy direct from a farm. So, you know, there's no um, regular city right. maintenance. Like, you know, we would be fortunate to have in a, in a larger city, right? So there's a lot of other issues that you may have to kind of address that you wouldn't really expect to. So even though I am sourcing it locally, I still have to make sure that I have several different options in case something like that pushes back production, which could, you know, potentially impact making, you know, meeting deliverables to some important retailers. Right. So we talked a little bit before about how local products, local sourcing is important, increasingly important for consumers and making buying decisions based on that. And you're working directly with suppliers of local products. Do you fund opportunities for, for example, you're buying blueberries from Farmer Jane, well, bringing that farmer into almost co-marketing with you so people know that Jane's blueberries are going into your product and that's what they're drinking in this corner of New Brunswick. Does that play into your, I guess, approach to customer development? 
Yeah, I mean, I know that um, on, you know, a lot of the farms that I deal with, they, if they have a store on site, they, they stock the product and, you know, Mm -hmm. they will promote it on their social media channels as well. So there's that kind of connection and partnership when it comes to promoting the products. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't to this, at this time, we haven't actually like, you know, had some sort of promotional campaign around, you know, here are the farmers. It is a really great idea because you're absolutely right. You know, there are a lot of people that would love to know about that sort of thing. And again, it kind of gets back to what I was talking about earlier about social media and, you know, finding the the time to kind of dedicate to, to planning out far, like, you know, when you're, when you're trying to do it all yourself, but, you know, an advertising campaign around it, I think would be really important because it's not only, you know, consumers learning about it, but also when it comes to, um, you know, food safety and, Mm-hmm. field to shelf. I mean, there's so many benefits to working locally and, and supporting your local um, suppliers. You know, I know that there's been, I've spoken with other entrepreneurs and nobody's immune to the supply chain issues that are going on right now. But if you're fortunate enough to have your supply chain within 50 miles of where your business is, I mean, I think that really benefits everyone, right? Because you don't have to worry about your product getting lost on, you know, a ship somewhere off the Pacific coast or, you know, sitting in a container somewhere in a, you know, a a big yard waiting to be offloaded, you know, and setting you back months and months. So, you know, I I think it really has a lot of advantages. And again, if, if you have, if you're fortunate enough to have most of your supply chain close to you, it it makes a lot of business sense. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting uh, sort of situation that uh, certainly everybody's experiencing in this space. As you mentioned, the supply chain challenges, but at the same time, to a large extent, the small, medium-sized producers, your supply chain management, each one is siloed, if you will. So you're dealing with you know, a bunch of different suppliers, but others like you are dealing with them, but it's all siloed. And I think there we see this disparity between the really large producers where everything is aggregated through distribution centers, and there's a, a cost advantage there, balanced with your situation where you've got a great supply chain, but you essentially have to do it all, your, all the heavy lifting yourself. It it seems like there's an opportunity for this sort of middle, low middle market or low volume, middle volume market where there is a aggregation, well, an opportunity for a platform with you, you're buying from a particular blueberry supplier and she should be having access maybe, or would have access to all sorts of others through a platform like that. But right now it's in your little silo for how you manage it on an Excel sheet or whatever web cloud service that you're using. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's interesting you say that because before starting the business, you know, in the software industry thinking of, oh, you know, I wonder if we could, you know, trying to come up with an idea for an app. Now that I'm in this industry, I can see there's a lot of opportunity for technological improvements or using technology to improve, um, you know, like you said, like the supply chain issues or challenges. So, yeah. Well, I think exactly what you're doing is highlighting the opportunities in this market, meaning you've started a business pretty recently. It's already being successful in hundreds of retail outlets, and you're highlighting these uh, areas of opportunity where, whether it's managing social media, um, supply chain, et cetera. And we've seen this in other organizations where they're in some place, not only local sourcing, but taking advantage of products that might've been landfilled. They're actually, for example, good apples, but they don't have the shape that can some large company decides consumers must eat. Therefore, mm-hmm. they're not 
maybe utilized. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Excellent. Well, you know, I think we've been able to cover some good ground here. Um, and it's been very insightful, I think, to see how you've grown through a very early startup. I think you mentioned you started a year ago. Is that correct? Right. January of 2021. Yes. January 2021. And already Coco Lemon is out in hundreds of retail stores. I think there are literally hundreds of entrepreneurs that would kill for that opportunity <laughs> that, that you've created for yourself. So I, I really appreciate you being on the program, showing everything everybody that it is possible and talking about some of the hard work and some of the ways that, you know, entrepreneurs need to make it possible for themselves. Thank you for chatting with me today. Yeah. Thank you very much, Cinnamon. Look forward to coming back and, and maybe talking again as you're growing up the business and uh, we'll learn more about this, the supply chain side. Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry.